Hello everyone, welcome to another RM Sotheby's car show. There is a lot of noise in the background because we are at Le Mans. It is the race weekend, the centenary, the hundredth running of Le Mans. And here we are right in what they call the village, which is just behind the paddock. So all of the, all of the competitor cars and trucks and team personnel, they're just over there somewhere. But there are cars on track at the moment, so it is quite noisy. We are conducting a one-off centenary auction, 24 lots. Most of them cars, and all of the cars that are in this tent are all cars with Le Mans race history. And the whole idea of this auction was to try and bring a selection of cars that are not only very important in terms of their Le Mans context, but also represent the eras of the race. We're very privileged, actually. We have got ex-Formula One driver, sports car driver, team owner as well, artist, I'm going to miss something out, aren't I? <laughs> lots and lots of things, but we are joined by Stefan Johansson, who has um, uh, very kindly come and joined us for uh, this se special centenary auction that we're doing here uh, this weekend. Uh, so thank you, Stefan. Thank you very much. It's um, a pleasure. For taking the time to come Absolutely. and see us. I laughed a little You're bit when... you introduce me again, are you? Oh, I, oh uh, yeah, I'm Peter it's terrible. Warman. Terrible, he never oh, does. I'm, I'm here, to your right. <laughs> I know, I know. I've got Peter Warman. We were just talking about Peter Woman's hair earlier, but anyway, <laughs> we'll move on from that. So, Stefan, you have uh, had lots of experience at this race circuit and uh, lots of experience with the ACO. Uh, you actually had to buy some tickets to get in today, didn't you? <laughs> well, I was okay, but I had a few guests yeah. that I was trying to help out. It uh, was a bit of a battle, you know, the, yeah. the sort of classic... 300,000 uh, tickets. They sold out, I don't know... Bit of bartering, bit of, bit of cash, bit of this, bit, bit of, of that, cash, and it yeah. sort of all worked yeah. out in the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I'm, we're, we're, we're glad that you got all the passes yeah. eventually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you, do you, uh, since you stopped racing, how, how often do you come to Le Mans? Uh, I've been here actually, well, since the last time I actually raced here, which is, I think 2008 was my last race here. I've probably been here about four or five times since then okay. even, yeah, I'm just yeah. with teams or, uh, you know, old teams that I used to drive for or whatever, yeah, or done work for sponsors and things like that, so. Are you one of these people that found, when you stopped racing, did you find it hard uh, being in the environment as a spectator? I mean, it, it like, because I know a lot of drivers feel that unless they're racing, they just don't want to be there. You're, but you're not like that so much. Well, I mean, when I decided to stop, finally, it was like a just one moment from the next. I, I was on a plane back home from a race in Virginia in, in the States, and, you know, I just didn't do particularly great in the race, you know, and I just felt like, I think this is it. And I just literally decided there and then, that's it, done. And I, it's bizarre, but I just completely cleared my head of any desire to ever get back in a race car again. And it's kind of been the same ever since. So I never have the urge, you know, when I'm at the race here to get back and I wish I was out there racing, you know, but I'm sort of moved on to other things now, you know, and, and yeah. put my focus into other things that I've always neglected in my life beforehand, like my art, for example, and the sort of creative side I've always had, you know, but it's always kind of been, I've been pulled away by the racing all the time, you know, to, to really explore that fully. So, but, you know, well, I, I get enough of a dose, but for me, really, coming now, it's more about seeing all my old friends, you know, yeah. and because motor racing, it's it's a fantastic environment really it's a you know it's a one big great family you know of like-minded people and we're all 
pretty good people, you know, and it's, it's for, I really love just going for this reason, you know, and see my old friends and hang out with the people that I enjoy being around, you know, and, and then. I think as well, Stefan, that's what fuels this market as well. I exactly. mean, you're, you're an artist, we know, we'll talk about that in a minute, but I think we, we, we were chatting at the Golf Historic Grand Prix in Dubai last year, and I think I had seven former Formula One champions there or something. I mean, not, yeah. but drivers at least. Yeah. Um, and it's that social side, but when you're buying into the collector's car world, the world of historic racing or racing in general, you're still meeting the manufacturers, you're meeting the people that design the cars, you're meeting the people that race the cars. Yeah. And for people like Peter and I, who've been around cars our whole life, you're meeting basically the people you watched on TV and they were your heroes. Yeah growing up but you then get the privilege by work we're fortunate in working in this business but even ownership or racing at a classic event yeah the drivers are also friendly and so welcoming and love talking about their history of motorsport and yeah. I, I don't think there's any other asset class that gives you that level of access to the people that made the sport what it is no i, I think you're 100 percent right you know and it, it is that and it's this world is full of really fascinating people you know from Obviously, the drivers is one thing, but you got the the engineers, the designers, the team owners. I mean, they're all pretty interesting characters. Every one of them, really. You know, I mean, it just draws a certain type of people. I think you know that that's fascinating in their own way. You know, once you understand a little bit their background, their history, and their story, you know, it, it's a it, it's a it's a great environment to be in. It really is. I don't know what you think, Peter. You've introduced this podcast before, not being able to remember what you've had for breakfast. We've had that conversation, but one thing I've noticed in meeting a number of um, drivers and people, retired drivers as well, they seem to in common have really good memories for their racing uh, yeah. exploits, almost to the year, to the race, what the tire pressures were. Yeah, it feels that is that common in your experience yeah, as well? Absolutely, yeah, very. I wonder what it is I mean, about the brain. All, it, because we're so programmed and so disciplined to because that's the key to success you know you gotta I mean when you get in the car I mean as the, as the car kind of moves on over the over the course of the weekend even I yeah. mean at least in my case you have everything memorized yeah. so you know if you lower the ride heights on the front one millimeter you know then you compensate maybe with a little bit stiffer rear bar two clicks on the rear damper on the, you know, I mean, all these things, and it's like, I mean, I can almost recall every race, I think, you know, if you look, and even on the, like the tracks, you know, you go, you know, you miss the bump by two inches, you know, because under braking, because then you, you know, all these little details, and I think every driver is the same. You yeah, know? Really yeah. Did you take yeah. it as a driver? Must make for some pretty boring conversations in the paddock. Yeah. Remember the... <laughs> it is. Yeah, well. Yeah, I always sympathize, you know, when drivers get together for dinner <laughs> with a group of people, I mean, it's, you know, we, we kind of on our own world, you know, just yeah. talking about all this stuff, and for the rest of them, it's like, just well, all, all, goop, all the know? driver's yeah. wives glazing over. Yeah, like, totally, like, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah. But were you? Did you take a lot of it as a driver in F1 in sports cars? Did you take a lot of interest in the technical side? I mean, was, yeah. were you very engaged on the yeah. engineering and on the setup? Uh, very yeah. much so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think most guys are, you know, to yeah. to larger or smaller extent. But you have to be to a certain extent, anyway. Or at least back then, because there was very few tools available. You know, so the driver information was very 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 important you know yeah. because that's that's a lot of 
a lot of the time that was the only thing the engineers had to go on, you know, because yeah. you had no data. There was I no, said that to Derek no sensors on the car. Yeah. There was none of that, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, but I remember. Even so, um, Stefan, if you compare it to, say, racing, we're talking about Le Mans, we're talking about the centenary, lo looking at the pre war guys racing Bendleys in the 1920s. I mean, yeah. it was sort of tyre pressure and not not much more, really. Yeah. Maybe ambient yeah. temperature and um, loading how much fuel you had in the yeah. car, I guess. But I guess in your era, you really saw those changes and you went from tolerances down to really finite levels. And you have to understand it because the engineers will be saying to you, if we do this, it will have a, make a difference. Yeah. And as a driver, I guess, in order to believe that, you have to experience it, but you have to understand why. Yeah, 100%, yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the big game changer, obviously, was aerodynamics. Once aero came into the picture, it totally changed the whole game, you know. It, was, it, it just went to a whole new level, you know, of, of importance of all these dis different aspects, you know, because aero is by far the, the one factor of a race car that makes the biggest difference, you know, on, on a lap time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't always get it right. And I think Le Mans no. is testament to well, that. With Le Mans a... in particular. Right, I mean, there's been the... some experiments. Eight, you know? I mean, right. I've driven some cars here with like, you, you know, you yeah. lost your will to live after three laps, you know. It's really? like, it just well, took me out of my misery. Let's talk a little bit about that because, yeah. um, and and be great to touch on your Formula One career. Do people think of you mainly as a Formula One driver or as a sports car driver, do you think? I suppose Formula One has just got more profile, hasn't it? I suppose. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. But, uh, I mean, I don't know, How do you actually. Think, do you, yeah, you were more years in total in sports cars yeah. than you were in Formula One. I yeah. think as well, though, yeah. Peter, I think uh, Formula One has always been more highly visible to the general public than yeah, sports car absolutely, racing. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. Whilst Le Mans, I mean, the general public, league. for sure, Formula One is bigger, but the diehard fans, you yes, know, I mean, sports yeah. car racing, I think is equally important, it's if weird. not more in some ways, you know, because it's a bit more accessible weird, though, and everything else. And because you don't, how many people, I mean, I don't know how much reporting in a Swedish newspaper Le Mans would get. I mean, for years, in the, you get, you know, you'd pick up the Sunday Times or something and there'd be a little, little, yeah. little column yeah. talking about what happened at Le Mans and there's three pages devoted to what happened in the last Grand Prix. Yeah, absolutely. I, I yeah. think it's the same. Certainly in Sweden it was yeah. the same, yeah. Yeah, but even Formula One hardly got on me notice either, so. But, I, you know, I... I <clears throat> Generally, I mean, we're going to have a lot of fun over, you know, we've got the auction tomorrow, but um, once we get that out of the way and enjoy this experience, I mean, for me, as a spectator, watching Le Mans live, yeah. I don't think there's any better sporting no. experience. The atmosphere, the environment. And I think it's the one event where you can almost imagine yourself in, in the driver's position at 5 a.m., the sun's coming up, it could be raining, the light's on the circuit, it's silent, bar a few um, people <laughs> having their final burger of the evening yeah, yeah. at 5 a.m. But it, the atmosphere here is tremendous. I mean, it's, you've seen it both as a It's extraordinary. I mean, there is no other event like it. I mean, there really isn't, you know. I mean, there's other 24 races, but Le Mans is, it has all the elements that makes it so great, you know. The track is way faster than any other racetrack in the world, really, still to this day. Yeah which obviously adds to the to the sort of that magic thing about it, you know, but it's just the whole aura, you know, the, like you said, you'd be out there, you know, even as a driver, when you're out there, when the sun comes up, 
you know, the air is nice and crisp, you know, and it's, it's like romantic in a way, you know, it's a, it's just an unbelievable feeling, Look, you know, I, even I as a driver. 24 hours, even, you know, yeah. back in normally aspirated engines, I guess they even perform different throughout yeah. different times Absolutely. of the day. Yeah, 100%. I mean, lap times are always quicker, like it, right when the sun comes up in the yeah, morning, you yeah. know. You got the, cool the air is crisp, through. you know, and, and yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's, the, that's happy hour. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's when all the quick lap times. <laughs> the, the, the fastest lap of the race is normally around that time. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah that's interesting. And if you can manage, you know, to get one clear lap, <laughs> that's when you're going to set the time. You know, and you're enjoying it at that point. Yeah. You've got yeah. absolute oh, confidence great. in yeah. the car, yeah. and um, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're in the groove then. You've had I a bet, few, yeah. few stints to get the nice rhythm going. You know, and because Le Mans is a, it's a tough track because it's really. It takes a while to wrap your head around the place. You know, every year you come back, it's all—it's not like normal. Any other track, you get dialed in in three laps. You're pretty much on the limit. You know, here, it's it's tough. You know, because it's so fast and it's all flowing corners. Even the chicanes, you know, you can gain or lose a second in every chicane by yeah. just—you got to let the car roll. You know, and it's all it's just a lot of different technical things here that you have to consider that you don't necessarily do on other well, tracks. Well, I, I guess know. as well, it's. Um it's the speed differential between the, you know, the group yeah. C's and the prototypes oh. and the GT classes and other classes. Yeah. It's so huge. And that's what I'm saying with it. Like, literally in 24 hours, in all the races I've done here, I mean, if you get one clear lap the whole race, like a fully clear lap, yeah. that's, you can nail that's it. normally your, your lot, you know? Yeah. I mean, because you, you have the delta on the dash, you know, to, to, if you plus or minus the quickest lap time. So you string it all together, you know, yes, two tenths first you can. So you're down like point eight, you know, by the time you get to the Porsche curve, and then there's a GT3 sitting there parked in the middle of it. <laughs> Damn it, you know, so let's start again, you know, try yeah. again. Yeah. And it's like that every step. And that's what know. keeps the focus, I guess. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. Well, Give it as a corner. We've got a bit of an interruption speed, going on here. That speed is definitely a corner. <laughs> oh, hello there. Sorry, no, don't get up. I was just telling you how I passed Derek, you know, on the outside. Well, he going, Thank you. Definitely. My art. That's yeah. your work. I know. I, get, I couldn't believe that you do that. Yeah. You've got a little bunny with uh, crossbones on your shirt there. What does that signify? Do you know that it's I was a mug and paid too much money for the shirt? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So, gents, you're both here. Tell us about the centenary of Le Mans. I mean, what, what are we gonna, okay. what, what are we gonna see here? We've got Ferrari back, we've got Porsche back, we've got Cadillac back in the in the event. Who, who, who's your money on? I put it. That's that's a good question. I, mean, I honestly don't know. I mean, I think it could be any of them, really. Sit in my lap. You want to sit in my lap? We're grabbing a chair. No, I mean, the way I look at it is um, this. No, if I may say something, having done it more times than him. <laughs> Um, I, I, I worked with a guy called John Wire, who I thought was one of the greatest st statisticians of 
you know, long distance racing. And he won it with, not won Le Mans with, with Aston's, but he did very well. And then, of course, he won it with the GT40, and then he basically ran it with a 917. So he knows about that and the Mirage. So he knows about, you know, how to go about it. And they always say it takes three years to win Le Mans with a new formula or with yeah. a new car. Mm. So, of course, you're going to say, well, it's all new now. It isn't totally new, but it's marginal. new. But the guys that have been in there for the last three or four years, and that begins with a T, from what exactly. I'm thinking, yeah. they have yeah. got done the groundwork. And yeah. They have got something that the others haven't got. Yeah. Yeah. Porsche have got it, but it's three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and John used to say it'll take you three years to win Le Mans. I don't say that, but it's a pretty good rule to go by. When Bentley came in at the beginning of the 2000s, I never said that because I wouldn't be so stupid, but it took them three years. Yeah. The first year they finished, the second year they did really well, and the third year they won. Well, it's interesting you mention, of course, you're both too young to have raced in 1965 here, but it's interesting no. you mentioned John Wire and a GT40. That's right. You know, everyone will know the sort of Ford versus Ferrari. Yes, of course. Yeah. Film. Yeah. We're selling the starting flag from 1965. Yeah. That's a lot of the auctions. Oh, really? Oh, right. um, which is just hanging over there, and that's going to be, um, yeah, that's the last year that Ferrari won here. Yes. Uh, with the 250 11, yeah. of course, mm. now they're coming back to race again. Yeah, so yeah. Really... I mean, they, they look, I mean, you know, I looked to the younger, I looked to, talked to one of my sons this morning, and he, and he said, you know, it looks, it could be Ferrari, and it could be. I mean, we both had a, yeah. he had a wonderful time at Ferrari, really. I mean, anybody that raced at Ferrari and won one Grand Prix was bloody good. Yeah. And he didn't always win that many because the car wasn't capable of winning that many. But the drivers are all capable of doing it. Sure. That's the point. And, uh, you know, again, Ferrari, I, I don't know what 24-hour tests they've done, but there's nothing like coming out in this heat and doing it right here. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think we talk a lot with Formula One today about technology versus driver and how much the driver really plays a role. And I don't mean to be disparaging mm. about modern Formula One drivers, but I imagine a circuit like this is a great leveler because in spite of the technology, you've got to drive through the night, the conditions are going to change, the drivers have to be alert for all of that time, and I guess well, that must play a big role in this. You know, you can make I a think, mistake much easier yeah. in a 24-hour well, race Well, I think that's the difference, you know, to be here in the race than doing a 24-hour test, for example, yeah. because oh, really okay. what it comes down to here mm -hmm. is the racecraft, and you, the traffic is horrific yeah. here, you know, and that's a big factor, you know, yeah. uh, one of the big factors, yeah. and obviously looking after the car and, you know, do, doing all the other yeah. things, but really, you know, the big differentiator here is the track itself and also the, the traffic is really a big big deal. What, what do you think is the balance for a victory? You've obviously got to find a balance between all-out pace and just and getting the car to the end and because yeah. obviously we you know history tells us that fabulously fast cars with great drivers mm. just don't get don't make it through 24 hours so how do you find that balance I mean what are you being told to drive at you know 80 percent I mean I, I mean I, I, it's not that the cars are so good now that yeah, you can right. drive them absolutely yeah, on the yeah. limit the whole time you know brakes right. clutch yeah. all that stuff you know yeah. but but uh, you know you so you're not always control the reliability but it's no. not you'd, I mean like back in the day with these cars for example, you had yeah. to be pretty gentle on them didn't you yeah you, with the gearbox the, and everything you, you know. did because yeah. it, I mean you just think today I'll go back with these we got two hands on the wheel 
And every time you come to a corner, your hand comes off, you go down on the brake and the clutch, and you're down to a gear, right? You're not going to go fifth or third second. You're going to go miss out fifth to third to second. Sure. Yeah. But you do it over a period of time. And you're braking, and your hand's off the wheel. So the control you have is restricted but to one hand. Yeah. You do that. These guys today, they just sit down like this. They go bang, 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 and it goes down. Yeah. And, and, so, um, and so physically, it's less physical in that respect than we had. But of course, they are going tremendously fast around the corners. But as he knows, these cars had ground effect that Formula One hadn't got when we raced them. And that's why at Le Mans, they had to restrict the, 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 uh, the ground effect and take it away and say, yeah. we're going to, I mean, I went and did a test, as I think I've mentioned to you before, with the short tail at Le Mans. And the first yeah. time I went down the straight, he went bang and the whole bloody floor fell off. Oh, really? He sucked the floor off wow. the car like yeah, that. I can, but you, I can I mean, see you that. You both yeah. raced in an area where I guess we've seen the greatest technological advances in aero yeah. and yeah. tires and all of that, yeah. I guess. Well, I mean, well electronics too. Is electronics as well. You've lived now, through yeah. that yeah. entire yeah. change. Yeah, I mean, we had, in the, the period of that car, Porsche, sorry, again, have a philosophy that every, I used to moan sometimes and say, why have I got this, why have I got this special gearbox, PDK? It hasn't proved to be doing anything more than a 500-mile race. And we're going to go 24 hours, isn't that crazy? And they said, but every race has to be the development of something. Mm. They have to justify their budget sure. of racing. Like the cars that are here with Porsche on, they their development still now to justify their, their, their budget that comes from the board. Mm. Hence the whole board of Porsche are going to be here to watch what happens. And it's going to be bloody tough. But, you know, we developed, as you just started to mention, electronic, electronic fuel injection. We then had uh, PDK, you know, double clutch transmission, which is now every damn car in the world has double yeah, clutch yeah, transmission. Yeah, yeah. And of course, then we went to ABS. I mean, everything is, and, and of course, at this, and that, all the electronics that ensued with that. So the work that was done by the racing programs was immense at that time. Even fitness. I mean, from yeah. your perspective, I, you know, we think about drivers, you talk about James Hunt and yeah. whatever he had for breakfast, which I yeah. think most people know. Um, <laughs> no, well, we had, had it during the race. What do you yeah, call during it? the race, exactly. <laughs> <Didn't we? laughs> oh, no, I, you didn't. Oh, nor did I. <laughs> Yeah, but, okay, but what did that help with exactly? Oh, too serious. <laughs> you were too serious to have uh, breakfast during uh, the race. Okay. Yeah. So um, I'm curious. So pre-chicane or post-chicane, how would you like to be if you were driving here today? It's less physical before, more worrying. Yeah. But how many times do we have anything go wrong? Yeah, not I many. mean, no, not many really. I mean, but you always sat there waiting for something to go you wrong, did, didn't you? you? I mean, so, literally, you just like waiting for a tire to blow up or something. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Guess you have to be and you always got that crown in the road, yeah. you know, so the car is sort yeah. of walking oh, yeah. all over the place, you know, and yeah. it's, uh, yeah. But no, I mean, but. I mean, the kink was definitely the kink a, was a, bit was a, a just bit flat, of a number back know. then, you know, yeah. But the 917, we were doing 246 miles an hour, yeah. 396 kilometers. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing when you yeah. think back in 71 in something like that. Yeah. But it would, believe me, it was so easy to drive. You got in it, turned the key, and it yeah. started up, and yeah. off you went. Have you driven a 917 in anger? Not in, not in anger, no. no. I drove it a, actually just a few years ago at Laguna Seca. But never in a real never situation. In a no. I remember Montoya looked... Thankfully, I would have <laughs> to up. say. I mean, yeah, but, yes, but when it was the only car out there, yeah. it was going to win no, for you. you that was the greatest thing since sliced bread back then, of course. Because they knew they could win. You know, anecdotally, people say 
people doing the opposite. You know, saying, yeah. I don't want to drive that. Thing. No, 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 it, it was didn't. a real. I, yeah. I, it was only the I drove fortunately, and he drove the car that was the finite in production. The last car that came off was a bloody good car, you know. I mean, it, it handled. I mean, I didn't know any different because I just my first year. I get in it, I go, this is all right, and we win a few races, and we go to Le Mans. And Norbert says, how many revs you're pulling? And I said, eight one, and he said, oh, that's good because at eight two it blows up. I thought, bloody good for the Germans. <laughs> I mean, they got it right. If it was yeah. a Ferrari, they say, wait for the valves to bounce. And yeah, shift yeah. Gear, you know. Exactly, yeah. And um, I mean, we didn't win the race, but one and Longtail did win. And um, you know, they built it to do the job, and that's what everybody has to do. But it was dangerous, of course. But I knew. I mean. That I, you get up, you get up to top speed basically by leaving over the air, don't you mm. know? And you got the second half. You're just sitting there at the peak yeah. revs all the way along, yeah. all yeah. the way along like this. And you're I mean, it's yeah, amazing. heavily reliant on your technology at yeah. that point, yeah. aren't you? Exactly. Really, for sure. The wind tunnels weren't that sophisticated, yeah. or in many cases, yeah. none at all. You know, yeah. they just came up with, oh, this looks about right. You know, yeah, some well, new great idea, and mm. yeah. suddenly you just got it. You can Hello. do this with the steering halfway down the most on a little. <laughs> At the front. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, uh, it was tufts of wool, wasn't it? Stuck to a car. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was how you would yeah. watch the yeah. And they ran oil down the bodywork. Yeah. Ran oil yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it, yeah. it's changed dramatically, but they they weren't, as long, once they got it right, you know, you can say, yeah, but who's going to get it right? But once you got it, it, it was fine to drive because yeah. the loadings on a 917, for example, weren't that great. I mean, the loadings on this downforce on these was much greater. Yeah. 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 And in, in fact, it's the, one of the most remarkable things that you would have imagined in the context of the time would have created more of a problem but it didn't seem to it was tire tire tech because yeah. tire technology was, yes. then was pretty rudimentary oh, wasn't yeah. it yeah. and you start putting all of that downforce yeah. oh, yeah. at that speed through oh, these tires I, I remember one day we were testing somewhere here or we'd been testing at the end of the, the first day I remember the guys from well, I won't mention the manufacturer he said we were talking about you know do the tires you know get they expand you know during and he said if you came and saw, what do they put it? What do they put it in the, where they test them? It's a barrel or something. Anyway, they test them in some set, some setup back at the factory. You know, the tire manufacturer. They said if you could see the way that tire gets out of shape at top speed, you'd never drive the bloody car. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. as well. I mean, this is a road circuit. I mean, Morsan Straight, which is obviously we know yeah. that's not its official name. Um, uh, Undia, Undia. Lazun Undia. Not long before the race starts, the public are driving on that on that road, yeah, particularly yeah, in the yeah. old days. Yeah, and yeah. I guess it, when you're hammering down there at 240 miles per hour, you must worry that, that, that it's clean. You just get it. You, or you don't the trouble. Is, I mean, there the must debris and... The race has been there 100 years now. And 30, 30 odd years ago, 40 years ago, you just got in a car and you drove as quick as you could. You never thought about the dirt on the road or the bits yeah. of body work. I mean, you of course, can't. you went to avoid no. body work. You were frightened to do that. You were thinking about But breakfast. you wanted to win the race that was the point mm. and you often used to think well maybe I used to think maybe the car will break maybe the wheel will come off at the hairpin yeah you know there's not yeah. a big accident but if you thought that this is going to happen at 240 mile an hour you, yeah. you probably wouldn't do it Did you, both of you different eras obviously but you both were in sports cars having been very fresh in Formula One as, as, as well in Grand Prix racing I mean did, did sports cars feel 
more or or less dangerous than the single seaters at that well, time? Him, he drove much more. Yeah. Didn't you? I, uh, well, in a way, yes, because Formula One's sort of always been the leader in, let's say, safety. You know, both mm. on the track and the cars. So you know, back in the '80s, when which was my sort of era in F1, we looked at the previous generation of cars and sort of said, "Thank God we didn't drive those things." That's right. And you look at the '80s car now. Sure, I know. <laughs> you know, know. head sticking out of the cockpit. You know, I know. I, I saw feet I, I, in front oh, of the, the, the front wheels. You know, and and but well, you know, it's carbon chassis. You know, and it was all this. When you get in, well, they were super safe. You know. Yeah. Mm. But, yeah. But well, yeah. I mean, if you look, okay. Well, so we're talking about the centenary, 100 years of this. I think the greatest race on the planet. But it has to be up there in the top five greatest sporting events on the planet. Yeah. In my yeah, opinion. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, certainly, yeah. as a motor racing fan. Uh, is there an era that you think I would have quite liked to have had a go at that? You know, would it be 180 miles an hour in a D-type, or would it been you know the the, the Bentleys and and the fun that went with that, or the perceived Certainly fun? Obviously, 917 is a great era. Yeah. This is another great era. Um, but is there one era you think? Well, if I was alive, then I'd love to have had a go. Or, or raced against another particular driver. I don't know. Maybe there's I, someone that you really. I, I mean, I actually think I was lucky enough to be in the best era of yeah. Formula One in the '80s with the turbos. Yeah. Oh, because those yeah. things were just insane. Yeah. I mean, we had 15, 1600 horsepower in yeah. qualifying with the Ferrari. You know, it was the cars were just mental. I mean, yeah. it was you know at Monza in qualifying, which is a very long track. You know, with long gear, you had wheel spin in every gear, even with one lap qualifying. Wow, it was just like. Like it was crazy, these cars. It's really brave, but they're really yeah. brave. I guess. But I mean, it was the ultimate of like what you can so, experience yeah. as a driver, I think, you know. But everybody yeah. would want to do that. I would love to have driven it, not I, because it was the best. Yeah. Like he wanted to drive a 917 or a 962 because it was the best. Because yeah. you know you're going to experience yeah. the best that a car manufacturers can produce. Well, obviously, Derek, you've done a little bit with Bentley as well, and you've driven the, the pre-war Bentleys as well. I mean, do you still they enjoy were, that, were, or is it just... They were heroes. Like, yeah. I, mean, I was in one this morning, actually, in, in down in the village. And I mean, the steering is heavy. You got this big, big wheel, and I mean, they're 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 they animals. And the guys that drove them were absolute heroes. But they weren't doing more than 100 miles an hour. But I've been. I agree. Miles. I agree. I mean, like Fangio and those guys. You know, when you see, you, I don't know if you've seen that. There's an onboard video of Fangio at Nurburgring. Yeah. Like from, I don't know, I even know how that fit. But I mean. I mean, I get goosebumps just yeah. thinking about it. You know, I mean, it's just insane what he was doing with exactly. his car. You know, I did. I, I drove an ERA or a Maserati 250F, one something like that, but yet some years ago on a twisty track. And of course, they're not they're not going at the same top speeds that no. we were going, but they're so drivable. Yeah. The old yeah. tail comes out, and yeah. you just go into a bit of opposite lock. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, it's when it does something you didn't want it to do. Well, yeah. you know, the Bentley era in that early days. <laughs> driving through the night, the lights must yeah. have been absolutely oh, terrific. Um, yeah, but they didn't know any better, did they? Yeah. No, quite. Um, I mean, exactly. the, the lights we even had on these weren't really good compared to no, what they had weren't. today. No. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to go. Derek, so kind uh, of you to make that spontaneous Sorry, Twitter. Good to see you, Derek. Uh, Sorry to uh, yeah, no, it's no, good. It's good. The pressure you. You'll be back to bid on this car, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I'll see you yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you. Very very nice to see you. Thank Take care. care. See you. And so you mentioned Stefan earlier. We were talking about um, when we were we did a podcast at Sotheby's and we held that 300 plus carat diamond yep. after you dropped the blue diamonds on the floor, which we. <laughs> but and we talked about the energy from that stone, and you yeah. you, you carry a, a crystal in your yeah. pocket. Yeah. So obviously you're a very spiritual person. Well, David, David and I are on the same planet in that one, aren't we? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, well, that's, yeah. I think that's great to hear. But, yeah. I mean, is that is that something that's evolved much more since you stopped racing, or did racing almost inspire that? Because of obviously, as you've just described, I think you were it did. Some the racing definitely inspired it a little bit too. You know, trying to dig deeper into like sort of bring out the best of yourself as well. You know, and and uh, and just kind of that connection with you know whatever whatever it is that's out there you know I, I always meditated you know right. from quite a young age and right. and, uh, and I always felt that helped me a little bit you know to just kind of get into that space I needed to be when I get in the car you know we now have David Brabham with us who was sort of just passing through uh, the auction building and uh, has just come and joined us so that's amazing thank you very much uh, thank you for having me <laughs> we've found a, a wonderful oh, comment, a old team mates and uh, yeah. great, obviously great buddies too but it comes back to what we were saying earlier Peter that's I think the beauty of being involved for us professionally from a, an auction house point of view it's just such a wonderful experience to meet the guys that raced the cars that built the cars that designed the cars and of course 300,000 odd fans here as well it's yeah. tremendous and I think yeah, I agree. It, it's testament to the um, camaraderie that we've always known to exist within the motor racing fraternity the fans Families, yeah. that, you know, holiday together. And One big else. family, really. Yeah. That's, it is, what it is, yeah. You know. yeah. That's why it's so nice coming back here. Yeah. yeah. Seeing seeing all these people that you were fat part of the family when you were racing. And I think I think as well. I mean, that's what we hope to achieve here this weekend. You can buy into it. You know, the mm. the, the, the facilitation of running a car like the 962 behind us at the Le Mans Classic is there. You can yeah. run these cars today. And, you know, if you've got the money to do so, can race against you guys as well. Yeah. You know, and that, that is a great joy. I mean, you're not going to get in the boxing ring or play with yeah. Muhammad Ali or, or, or play tennis against John McEnroe. Yeah. But if you get into... I'd like story, to see you do that. <laughs> well... <laughs> and the, bo the bonus in all of that is that Stefan will do a painting for you as well. Yeah. Well, quite, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're familiar with Stefan's, <laughs> with, with Stefan's art. Do, well, David's actually wearing well? one of my watches too. Hey! Yeah, wow. specially made for him. That special design. Yeah, is that real? Special is that, that's a, a one-off. So you designed the, the. So yeah, style. I do. Yeah. We designed. We designed the face. The face is um, actually. Um, if you if you can't probably really see it, but if you get the right angle, you'll see the world. So when I raced, I didn't have an Australian flag or a British flag. I always tried to race with a flag of the world. Right. So, um, and that was mainly to do with think about the planet, think about humanity. You know, that was, oh, we're from the same place. That yeah. was my philosophy. Yeah. I didn't care where you were from. So yeah. that's how, I, and, and on my helmet. So when I won Le Mans, I went, Steph, and we had a chat about it. And I put the world on there, and not on the back is a piece of the winning car as well. Look, I mean, Peter, we're here for for our auction we're at Le Mans in the centenary year and we've had five times win and we've got two former Le Mans winners as I well know. I mean what I a know. privilege I feel very humble that <laughs> yeah, I have to say I know. all we've got to do is get people to buy some cars I mean hopefully that <laughs> exactly, will be yeah. I'm well, sure there is some 
some stunning yeah. cars here. Yeah, oh, stunning oh, fantastic cars. cars. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I see Amazing. one that 93 Jaguar XJ220. Yeah, yeah. That um, yeah. Uh, brings back memories of being on the podium, but it also brings painful memories of when the car dropped on my foot in the warm up and it swelled up so much I couldn't put a race shoe on. So I ended up having to race with a, a running shoe. And when I hit the brake, instead of hitting it like that, I had to hit it on the side yeah, yeah. using the rubber to take the load off. Um, and it was super painful, I can remember. That's you know. And I saw John Nielsen, who was my teammate just earlier. Oh, yeah? And we were talking about it because John built like, you know, he was a big, solid guy. And uh, he, he'd say, how's David's foot? You know, I said, he said, shall I do another stint? Yeah, yeah, do another stint, mate. You know, so. But you wouldn't have wanted to make that excuse to the team owner would you so I'm, I'm I'm you know a second down on my lap time because my, my foot hurts well I luckily, my, luckily my pace was okay but um, <laughs> uh, yeah that, that one and also when we had a, we had a fuel leak in the car too and they uh, they actually was I was driving around and I, well I, you know the fumes was getting stronger and stronger and I radioed to say hey look I think I've got a bit of a fuel leak here I'm getting a headache and fumes and they said well you've got a few laps before the end of the stint can you keep going? So I said, okay, I'll keep going. So I finished the stint, came in, they filled it up and they leant in and they said, look, we see what the problem is. Can you go and do a few more laps so we can figure out what to do? I said, no way. It's not what exactly I said. I said it in a slightly other way. Um, and there was fuel coming out underneath the car, uh, underneath oh, wow. the floor, and my feet were slipping. That's oh, how much wow. fuel was on there. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... Uh, that will go I, they, through they the boots. The, they changed the tank. And burn your skin, and, you know, it's not just a question yeah. of smell. If it had gone up, that would be Oh, it's nasty. That, yeah, I've had that happen, too. We, 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 had, we had Derek here earlier as well, Derek Bell, and we've been chatting with Stefan, but obviously centenary year of Le Mans. I think it's, you know, a new era of um, sports car racing, endurance yep. racing, with Ferrari coming back, Porsche, Cadillac re-entering yeah. the, the frame, and I'm sure they're not just doing this as a one-off for the centenary. They've come back and they mean business. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the you know the regulations play a key role in all of that. When when manufacturers get confidence in stability in the rules um, and it aligns with their technologies that they're bringing to market sure. as well, sure, you know it, it makes sense. And we we've been yeah. around sports car racing a lot to see lots of different cycles. You know, all the yeah. manufacturers come in, they're there for a while, then it rests on the privateers, and then it picks back up again. We're definitely seeing another massive. It's the push first time the we've seen now for quite a while the level of commitment from so many different manufacturers yeah. at the same time yeah. you know because typically here at Le Mans in particular you have two maybe three that's fully committed right I mean now we got you know there's, there's a pretty strong yeah. feel I mean you see the commitment when you go into the paddock the paddock yeah. and the gar garages you know I mean it is pretty impressive well it's always I mean sports cars and a bit, a bit like rallying for, for the big manufacturers, it, it, it's historically always been easier for them to, you know, make join the dots between what they're doing on track and 
what people are buying in, in yeah. showrooms, whereas Formula One, that's always been a little bit tenuous. So yeah. one of the reasons why the man, it's more difficult for Formula One to engage with, with manufacturers on, yeah. in quite the way that you can with sports cars. Not that these have got very much to do with what you go and buy in a, in a showroom. Well, you, you know, I mean, how's no, your business, David? I mean, your, your car, how's that progressing? Yeah, I mean, obviously we launched in 2018. Yeah, well, uh, we were together at Hampton Court, I think. That's right. You, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And we're, we've uh, got uh, one of the first road versions of that going on the road in New Zealand okay. uh, very shortly and one in Germany in a few months' time as right. well. So, right. uh, And I have to say that's been quite a challenge for the guys to get a, a race car with a number plate in Germany. You know what I mean? So uh, a lot of, lot of work has been going on in the background and uh, also developing a new GT2 car for the future as well. Joining me for this podcast is car specialist Felix Archer. It's 28 degrees today. When you're from West Sussex in England, 28 degrees is rarely experienced. I feel like a rotisserie chicken. So this is Wednesday. The race doesn't start till lunchtime on Saturday. So we're still in quite a long period of build-up to the race. So um, give it another 24, 48 hours. It will be packed here. It will be absolutely rammed. But what they've done is, tip, it's like a festival really, this race weekend. So there's uh, a bit like going to a big Grand Prix. There's kind of a whole village here of uh, BMW lifestyle, Toyota Gazoo racing, selling caps and t-shirts and uh, baguettes. You can't be in France we, and not have a baguette. When we were driving down, um, there was a huge amount of convoy coming from the UK. They're easy to spot because you see all these Brits in the paddock and I don't know if it's a stylistic choice, but almost all of them are bald. Um, they're all bald, They're almost say? all bald. Um, and you can spot them because none of them are tanned. Um, they all have heat stroke <laughs> and they're extremely pissed. So um, very white, bald people are, that we yeah, can identify yeah, those well, as Well, the they're Brits. red. Um, oh, they're red, they're yeah. Red, yeah. Especially, I mean, this is a disaster for the Brits. It very much feels like the calm before the storm because right now this is extremely quiet. Um, not in terms of noise, but in terms of um, volume of people in the paddock. Yeah. Come Saturday, this is going to be complete gridlock. And just before the start of the race, it's going to be such an amazing moment. Um, I think everyone here is probably, and everyone's watching this, has probably watched the starting sequence uh, of the 1971 film Le Mans. Um, and you can't help but think about that, that scene with the ever-increasing heartbeat um, and watching the flag ever so slowly uh, be waved to, uh, to start the race. Um, and that emotion and that feeling is, is, is the same every single year. Um, and the anticipation of the lights going out. And although um, back then it was a standing start, um, that year in particular, um, the moment the cars cross the line and the starting flag goes, you're about to hit a tree. No, you're not. Um, <coughs> um, it's just electric. Um, I was quite a late starter when it came to Le Mans because the first year I came was 1995. So I was 25. What I a year come... to go, though. Yeah. The McLaren F1. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I haven't been that many years. I've probably been five times, I would guess. Um, do you know what the single biggest difference is about this time, us being here this year? I am not 
yard I, anymore. I, I, I once slept in a caravan, and when we arrived at the caravan, there was a goat in it. There was, was a goat. There was a goat living in the caravan that we stayed in. Watch out behind you. Um, why? Somebody had arranged what they said was glamping, luxury, luxury mobile home accommodation. And when we got there, there was a caravan next to a, an empty swimming pool. No water in the pool. And there was a goat. Can you call it goating? Goatee. Goating. Yeah, goatee McGoat goat. face. Right. We're going to wander over this way. We're just behind us. As you start finish straight, the cars are going flat out. And obviously, Peter's a professional racing driver. Do you, do you think we can be heard? The question can is, you can you hear us? Oh, look. So this Peter. is a good spectator spot. So basically, the start finish straight is just down there. Big, all the big grandstands are over to our left down here, uh, and the cars. There's a bit of an there's a bit of a, a climb here, and you're heading up to the iconic Dunlop Bridge, which is just up there. Um, Peter, you've driven this circuit. Only, only the Bugatti circuit. I did that on purpose. The atmosphere is um, noisy. These, these new prototypes, they're very, very deep rumble noise. This, so this, this race, I believe, is called the Road to Le Mans, which is a support race, which is GT3 cars, and then I think what's called an LMP3 which is a sort of slightly toned down LMP2 car. They're still massively quick. Um, but it's... What you've got to remember about the Le Mans race, it's not, it's not like a, a conventional... It's not like a conventional motor race in that people are here for a day or maybe two days like they would go to a Grand Prix. There were people here yesterday, yesterday being Tuesday. The race doesn't start until Saturday. This is a, effectively, for a lot of these fans, it's a week long. Yep. It's a week. Most people are camping. There are no hotels nearby. So accommodation is really hard to get at Le Mans, which is why so many people do camp. Um, but it's barbecues. It's safe to say there's quite a lot of alcohol being consumed oh, yeah. over the course of the week. And uh, so it's kind of like, imagine gla a week-long Glastonbury without any music and cars. But they're not allowed to serve up. They only have an, a 72-hour window to serve drinks. So at the moment, everything's non-alcoholic, and we're not promoting drinking at all. But what I think is maybe um, ill-advised is you're basically building up um, anticipation for the, for the green light to go on alcohol to start being served <laughs> and you've got 300,000 people chomping at the bit to get pissed um, and so as a result it's carnage um, so this is effectively the calm before the storm yes exactly so we're now again kind of like we are actually walking through a, a, a food and drink village I guess you might call it more t-shirts caps and god knows what for sale you can spend an awful lot of money here you can especially over a week 
not only on quite expensively priced alcohol and soft drinks are available too, but, you know, go and buy two T-shirts, you'll probably have spent 160 euros. Exactly. 200 euros on two T-shirts. And if you look in the distance, maybe not quite yet because you can't see it, there's another complete, very, very iconic um, piece of imagery, which is the... What do you call that thing? Why have I forgotten what that's called? Ferris wheel. Ferris wheel. Big I wheel. I was about to say merry-go-round. The Ferris wheel, which yep. used to be in a different location, but again, very much features in the 1971 film Le Mans. Um, and of course, the Dunlop Bridge. And those, those are so evocative. If you have a photo of a racing track and you see the Ferris wheel, you know it's Le Mans. So it's we, we also, we, th this race is organized by an organization, a body called the ACO, the Automobile Club of, of the West. And there, that big grandstand on the other side of the pit straight there, you can see their name written on the front of it. So that's where their offices are. In the build up to this auction, we had quite a few meetings over there. And this, you know, and the, we, you've got these grandstands on this side of the track. The amazing thing about those grandstands is how steep they are. They hold a lot of people, but they are, it's like the north face of the Eiger, isn't it? <laughs> You're like walking up and thinking it's, it's actually scarily steep. And you sit there and you think, I'm going to fall. I'm going to, and but anyway, it's very, very good. And behind us, that so this is the, basically the paddock area. Um, can we see that cameraman? We've got a uh, that is Ferrari, who are returning to Le Mans in yep. the top tier this year, and uh, with the hypercar class. And and being Ferrari, they've come with a very swanky hospitality setup uh, for their guests and VIPs and. And being Ferrari, they'll probably put it on pole and retire on the first lap. Yeah. But, uh, but effectively, though, so you've got the pit garages uh, underneath that grandstand over there. The pit garages at the Mont quite small uh, com compared to a modern purpose-built race circuit like you uh, get uh, built these days where the pit garage is quite luxurious. Pit garage is quite small. So what they've had to do is they basically build an extension out the back of the pit garage to give them more space to work using tents and temporary structures. Um, but you've really got, you've got all the teams down here. And obviously being a 24 hour race, you need a lot, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of catering, drivers need, and, and, and team personnel need places to sleep. You know, they can't like all stay up all of the time. So it's kind of, you've got to really, you're building a, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a paddock. It's also a temporary campsite yeah. as well. It's kind of, uh, you know, catering operations a bit. A lot of hospitality, obviously. A lot of the big car manufacturers are entertaining a lot of VIP guests. So they've all got to be looked after. So it's an incredible setup. I mean, these, this place has been, you know, already a week in the making in terms of the construction. So, yeah. And it's a really exciting year to be at Le Mans, not just because of the centenary, it's because this year is the first year where all the big manufacturers have been coming into the top tier. So you've got Ferrari returning, you've got Porsche who are back, um, you've got Cadillac in the top class, um, BMW, Lamborghini, they're all returning. And, and it's going to be the first time for a fair few years that some of the big manufacturers are fighting for the podium spot, for the top spot. Um, so it's a fantastic year, whereas before um, it was always Lola's, Dallara's, kind of, you know, well-known names in motorsport, but we're talking household manufacturer names who have come back yeah. and they're chucking the kitchen sink to try and get first place.
thank you very much. Uh, slightly unusual episode of the car show, um, but thank you very much to uh, David Bragham, Stephanie Johansson, uh, Derek Bell, Peter Moorman, uh, and, <laughs> and you, was it, it was nice to be mentioned in that company, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. uh, absolutely. Uh, but uh, yeah, thank you very much indeed.